We continue in our Love One Another series this morning from Ephesians, this morning in Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6. We'll spend the bulk of our time looking at several words in verse 1, and then towards the end of the sermon, we'll see how verses 2 through 6 help us to live out what we learn in verse 1. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6. Paul writes, I therefore the prisoner in the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, the calling that you have received. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. Everybody lift up one. All right, thank you. Bearing with one another, uh, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body. Seven times Paul will use the word one here from now on. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Thanks be to God. Uh, I spent the summer of 1991 in Philadelphia. I was part of a ministry that uh, recruits college students and young adults from all over the country to come and spend the summer uh, in the inner city Uh, working with churches in the inner city, helping them do their ministries and love their neighborhoods. There were about a hundred of us uh, from all over the country. Uh, We were split up into ten teams of of, of ten, and we would live in those churches, participate in the ministries of those churches, and get to know the neighbors in the neighborhood around those churches. Um, It was a unique group of people, those a hundred or so young adults who were gathered. Most of them were from the Northeast or from the Great Lakes region or from California, the West Coast. Very few of us were from the South like me. And all of my life growing up in North Carolina, I never knew that I had a Southern accent until my new friends in Philadelphia told me that I had a southern accent. I'm not sure if they were right. I'll leave you to be the judge of that. But they teased me mercilessly about my accent. And they, in particular, centered on, focused on, were obsessed with my use of the word, y'all. Now, it was just natural for me to say y'all multiple times a day to communicate what I needed to say to y'all. And they jumped on that and exaggerated, hey, y'all, let's go get a Philly cheesesteak. And it was all in great fun. I loved the attention. I Trust me, I gave as good as I got. I won't share you what I, how I made fun of their accents from their different regions of the country. It was all in great fun. And in the process of being teased about my use of the word y'all, I came to a much greater appreciation of the beauty and the wisdom of that word. In fact, I now believe I am convinced that the word y'all is we in the South, in the Southern churches, our gift to the rest of the English-speaking church world. Because we should in my humble opinion, use the word y'all in our Bible translations because it communicates better the actual truth and words that the Spirit is trying to convey through the text. When the Spirit of God speaks to us through the New Testament and we see the word you, 
Most often it is in the plural, not the singular. In other words, most often it is about you all. It is about us. It's not about specific individuals. So let's just go ahead and say what it means. Let's just say y'all. Thank, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So a better way, in my opinion, of translating verse 1 is to say, I therefore, a prisoner in the Lord, beg y'all to lead a life worthy of the calling to which y'all have been called. Y'all. Now, what is that? That's the first word. You, thinking of in the lines of you all. When Paul is saying that word, he's speaking to the church at Ephesus. The Spirit is speaking to the church known as Fifth Avenue Baptist. First word. Second word, therefore. A therefore is a very important word in this text because whenever Paul uses the word therefore, he's giving us a, a tip, a hint, that everything that he's about to say builds on what he has already said. So in, basically in verse 1, he's saying, okay, y'all, I'm going to explain to you how you live out what I've just been talking about in chapters 1 through 3. In chapters 1 through 3, Paul explores the meaning of the church, what God has accomplished for the church and through the church and for us as individuals. And then in chapters 4 through 6, he gives us concrete ways to live out this calling that we've been given. Therefore, we look back. What does chapters 1 through 3 tell us about the Christian life? And therefore, in verse 1 of chapter 4, is in connection with a third word we want to look at, and that is calling. What is our calling as individuals and as a church? We find our calling, what Paul means by calling in verse 1, by looking at the word therefore, which points us back to chapters 1 through 3. Now, we don't have enough time this morning to go through all of chapters 1 through 3 to get the therefore which leads to the meaning of the word calling in verse 1. But here's my vote from chapters 1 through 3 of, of good summary verses that pulls it all, pull it all into one package that helps us understand. And these are familiar verses to many of you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved, excuse me, for by grace y'all have been saved. And this is not of y'all's doing, but it is the gift of grace through Jesus Christ. That's verses nine, 8 and 9. And then verse 10 says, for, we have been cre- for God has created works for us beforehand for us to walk into. For God has created beforehand works in which are to be your way of life. We are, for we are what He has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Um, our personal calling is to receive the grace of Jesus Christ by faith, to live by that grace, to grow in grace, and then to walk into, to live by the, the works 
that God has prepared beforehand for us to do, to be our way of life. But remember the word y'all in this translation of verse 8 and the word we in verse 10. We grow in grace together. We, we live out the works that God has called us to as individuals together. And we as a church have been given specific works to do. Okay, let's back to the three words so far that we've looked at in verse 1. There's y'all. This text is not addressed specifically to us as individuals as in isolation, even though it applies to us as individuals, but we never forget the word y'all as we look in this translation. It, therefore, which points us back to chapters 1 through 3, and then calling in, in verse 1, which is defined and explained for us in those chapters 1 through 3. All right, so each of us have that individual calling, things that we have been called to do that are based upon the, the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us, the personality that God has shaped in us, the passions that God has given us to change the world in different ways, the context in which we find ourselves in. We all have these individual callings from God. But what we want to focus on today is, is the calling that God has placed upon our church. Again, y'all, Paul is saying here, y'all have a calling together. And if we think of that calling in light of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, works that God has prepared for us to do beforehand, to be our way of life, to do so with grace and in the grace of Jesus Christ, what is our calling as a church. I'm excited about a meeting that we'll be having a week from Wednesday. Bill Wilson from the Center for Healthy Churches will be with us. And he's going to be talking about aiming us toward answering, discerning this particular question. What is our calling for the next season in our church's life together? What is God's dream for Fifth Avenue Baptist Church in the next five to ten years, of who we are, who we're called to be, of what we're called to do, what are the works that God has already prepared beforehand, we just don't know them yet, that we are to walk into that are to be our way of life. Now, we've already gotten a really big start on this work last spring. We uh, Phase one of our vision process, we identified core strengths of our congregation. We named two action steps, two things that we know we want to focus on that God is calling us to do, two of the works that God is calling us to do, to discern our part in the response in the battle against the opiate epidemic. And then a second action step to, to see, to pray, to discern how we can even better love our daycare and our families and, and connect the church with our daycare throughout the week. We've already done that kind of work, but we're going to be, with Bill's help and the, guided by the Spirit, we're going to be digging deeper to see what that calling is. And I hope you, I hope y'all, I hope we will make plans to be there on the 31st and to be a part of that. Okay, three words so far. We've got one more to go. 
in verse 1, the three words, y'all, therefore, and calling. Fourth word is worthy. In verse 1, Paul says, I beg you to lead a life that is worthy of the calling you've received. Worthy of the calling to which you have been called. There's an image behind the Greek word that is translated worthy. And the image is that of the scales that a merchant uses in the sale of goods. A balance. Uh, we don't use them anymore, but most of us have the picture in our, in our mind. In ancient times, if a merchant is going, wants to sell five pounds of wheat, you have a weight on one side of the balance that's five pounds, and you keep piling on the wheat or whatever the product is until they balance. And when they are balanced, the, the transaction is now worthy. It can take place. There is, there is balance here, and it's time to move forward. And Paul is saying that when we are living lives that are worthy of our calling, there is balance. The calling equals the living out of the calling. It's now worthy. Now, we'll never be in perfect balance in any area of our lives. But by the grace of God and the power of the Spirit, we're seeking to live in such a way that the way we live is consistent, it's balanced, it's worthy with the calling that we've received. Now, let's look at this image in three different areas. The first area is the individual calling, the individual works that each of us have been given to do based on the gifts the Spirit has given us, our personality, where we are in life, all of those things. And let's ask ourselves the question, are are we living out that calling? In other words, the calling in our lives, are they in balance? Maybe we don't know what those works are. Maybe we don't have a sense of what that specific calling is in our lives that God wants us to do. If that's where you are, please through prayer and conversation with people that you know and trust, seek to discern what that calling is. But if you know what that calling is, the question then becomes, are you in balance? Is the way you're living your life worthy of the calling? The calling is here. Are you you doing the work? Are you open to God to allow you to work through you to accomplish these works that have been prepared beforehand for you to be your way of life? First way to use the image is for our individual calling. Second way to look at the image this morning is again with y'all in mind. Are we as a congregation living a life that is worthy of the calling to which we've received? Now again, we're in the process of of discerning the the exact nature of that calling for us in the future, so we want to ask the Spirit to to be ready. Spirit's always ready. We want to be open to the Spirit in helping us to live worthy lives. A couple of questions here. There have been works that God has prepared beforehand over the hundred and more years that we as a church have been on this corner at 5th Avenue and 12th Street. And there have been times when the church's calling and the way we've lived out at that calling have been in balance. They've been worthy. There have been times when there hasn't been balance. That's the way it is with any individual Christian and with any gathering of Christ followers. It's just the way life works. I wonder, 
wonder with me, ponder with me. What are the times in our history as a congregation when somebody outside of our church looking in would say, if they were using this language, their life together as a church is balanced right now. They're living a life that's worthy of their calling. And what are the times in our church's life when someone from the outside looking in would say, wait a second, there's not balance here. They're saying one thing and doing another, preaching one thing and practicing another, singing one thing and living in another way. It's the third use of the image. Uh, Excuse me, second use of the image. Third use of the image applies to individuals, it applies to us as a church. Whatever our callings are, the specific natures of our calling as individuals and our calling as a church, are we living that out in such a way that's filled with grace and compassion and mercy and Christ-like love? Are we practicing what we preach? Do people see Jesus in our lives as individuals? Do people see Jesus when they look inside this building? Do people see Jesus when we are out in our community? And if they do... We're living a life that's worthy of our calling. It's in balance. If they don't, then something is is out of balance. We're not living the worthy lives that Paul has called us to. Anybody a fan of the Sister Act movies? Anybody remember those? Whoopi Goldberg. Goldberg, yeah. Yeah, it's about 20 years ago or so. Um, And here's the basic plot line. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg is uh, an African-American woman on the run from the law, and she stumbles upon an inner-city convent of of nuns, and she uh, puts on the robe, and she impersonates a a nun, and and then she teaches these sisters a brand-new style of music. And, And so there's a little bit of Motown mixed in with the music of the convent. And so... There's gospel songs that are introduced into this inner city community of women who have committed themselves to following Jesus in a specific way. It's their calling not only to be uh, nuns, to live the monastic vows, but it's their calling to live that out together in a specific place in the world, a place of great pain. So there's one, it's a wonderful story, wonderful music, but here's something that I didn't know until recently. When Sister Act came out, Uh, It was very popular in Japan. And growing out of that popularity, people in Japan fell in love with gospel music. And so there would be hundreds of gospel choirs uh, that would gather together in communities across Japan. And they would tour and they would sing gospel music. And uh, universities, uh, colleges, uh, schools throughout Japan would offer courses on gospel music, you want to learn gospel music, you want to study it, go to Japan and you can take a course in gospel music, everybody for a season, I don't know if they still do, but everybody for a season just love gospel music. But here's the thing, very few people, if you just look by percentages, in Japan are followers of Jesus. It is not a nation in, in which the church is, is large. It's thriving wherever it is, but, it, but, it, but not in numbers. Which, which means that you had lots and lots and lots of people who knew the words to the songs, 
but did not know the meaning of what they were singing. It's a great evangelistic opportunity, by the way. Followers of Jesus in Japan can talk with their neighbors who don't know Jesus, but know gospel music, and can say, can I talk with you about the person you're singing about? But for our purposes today, it's possible to know the music and not have any idea what you're singing about. And the question for us as individuals, and for us as a church, for y'all, for us, do the words that we sing match the lives that we live? Can people see and hear the songs that we sing in the way we love and serve and witness and work in our community in the words of verse 1 are our lives in balance with our songs do we live in such a way that's worthy of the calling that we articulate Whatever, with whatever style of music that we're singing, music that's rooted in our faith. Y'all, therefore, calling, worthy. Paul packs a lot in that first verse and calls us to make sure that we know our calling as individuals, but even more so as a church, and to make sure by the Spirit's power and guidance and grace that we are seeking to live a life that's in balance, worthy of that calling. Then verses 2 through 6. Two ways I think we can see. We could see more if we took the time, but there are two specific ways I want to draw our attention to that Paul gives us that can help us live out our calling. First, and this is the title of the series, we love one another. If we want to live a life that's in balance as individuals, as a church, then we will give very detailed attention to loving one another by the grace of Christ. And we won't say, which is a great temptation for all Christians to say, well, I've been doing that all my life. I don't need to grow in that area. Remember the first sermon in the series? We never outgrow the need and the call to grow in our love for God and for one another. So first, we love one another if we want to live lives that are worthy of the calling that we've received. Hear verse 1 again, but with verses 2 and 3 added to it. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg y'all to lead a life worthy of the calling to which y'all have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We stay in balance as a congregation when we love one another. People can see if we're in balance outside these walls if they see that we're loving one another. If they don't see that, they're more than likely to say something's out of whack there. They're not living a life worthy of their calling. When we practice humility among ourselves and in the community, when we are gentle and patient and humble with one another and our neighbors, 
when we bear with one another, when we let each other down, because we do let each other down just kind of by the way, you do know that, that we consistently let each other down here in the church. Love the, the comment that Billy Graham made decades ago. If you can find the perfect church, then by all means join it and join it immediately. Just know that the moment you join it, it ceases to be a perfect church. There's no such thing. And so Paul, Paul doesn't hear and elsewhere in his letters as he's writing to the churches, he, he doesn't say, live in such a way that you never let each other down or disappoint each other or hurt each other. No, he just assumes that's going to happen. And so he says, bear with one another. We'll have a whole sermon about this subject in a couple weeks. Bear with one another. When we do so, we're living a life, life worthy of our calling. When we make every effort to stay unified in the power of the Spirit, then we will be giving God lots of material with which to work so that God can fashion us into a community that lives a life worthy of its calling and through whom the Lord can do great and mighty work here and around the world. So the first thing from this passage, from verses 2 and 3, if we want to live a life that's worthy of our calling, we're going to, by the power of the Spirit, open ourselves to the love of God so that we can love one another faithfully. Second thing is that we keep our focus on God and not on ourselves. It's a paradox. If we want to live lives that are worthy of our calling, then we'll focus more on what God does and less on what we do. If we want to live a life that's in balance, we'll focus more on how balanced God is, less on how unbalanced we are. We focus on God. Seven times, as we mentioned before, in verses 4-6, through six, Paul uses the word one. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. It's a way of keeping our attention focused on God, on what God has done and is doing. But if we look a little deeper we'll see a Trinitarian pattern in these verses. Verse 4, there is one body and one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, one Lord, Jesus Christ our Lord, God the Son. Verse 6, one God and Father of all. Father, verse 6, Son, verse 5, Holy Spirit, verse 4. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together in this beautiful act of grace to create us in the beginning, to redeem us through Christ when we've fallen short of His glory and to work through us to accomplish the purposes of God in the world by giving us callings that we, by God's grace, are to live lives that are worthy and balanced in light of our callings. Verse 6 speaks of the one God and Father of all of us all, God the Father who is above all and through all and in all, in all the workings of the Trinity if we want to live balanced lives. We love one another. 
and we keep our focus on God and we trust God to do this balancing work in us as individuals and in our congregation. So hear these final words. The works God has prepared beforehand for us to do, the calling to which we have been called, the humility and gentleness and patience with which we are to live out our calling, it all comes from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so with humility and trust, let us open ourselves to the One who has called us, the only One who can bring balance to our lives and our church, the One who will empower us to live worthy lives and through our lives do the work of the kingdom in our time and in our place. Amen.